It's the Code St. Luke podcast, where you'll hear interesting topics and people brought together through the Code St. Luke Public Library. Hello, welcome to Lockdown Viewing with Code St. Luke librarian Stephen Tomlinson, that's me, and today I will be talking all about the movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the recent Netflix production and upcoming Oscar contender, which stars Viola Davis and Chadwick Bosman. Now, on the surface, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is about a group of blues musicians coming together in Chicago on a single day in the year 1927 to record some songs. But underneath this magisterial movie, there are deeper themes of social injustice that still well echo today about a hundred years after the events depicted in the film. And it's clearly meant to represent the black experience, not only of the early 20th century, but to some extent, even today. The movie's title comes from Ma Rainey's song of the same name, Black Bottom, which itself refers to the Black Bottom Dance, a dance popular among African Americans in the United States in the late 19th century. Ma Rainey, uh, whose life as a well-known blues singer of the 1920s, was an inspiration for the play on which this movie is based, and is also the title character, of course. But the central story, the central story here, I think, is the musical genre of the blues itself and, and how it has reflected the Black American experience. As Ma Rainey herself says at one point during the course of the film, white folk, they don't understand about the blues. And by that she means clearly that the blues represent black American history, especially the raw pain of social exclusion and living in the horrors of racism. But the music is also more than just an expression of that pain as I think we're meant to understand in watching this film. It can also be an escape from it. But the music can frame it, give it context, and in so doing, transcend that pain, as all great art does. I think it's important that the movie is set in Chicago, because this is really where the modern history of the blues originated, with black people escaping the brutality of the Deep South and Millions moving to the cities of the North for better employment, better opportunity, and a better life. But only to find that there was no escaping oppression. And what they brought with them was their culture, especially the music of the blues. Chicago became the most important incubator for this new culture. And this is well represented in the movie by the character of Chadwick Bosman's Levy. He represents a new form of blues, the Chicago blues, which is jazzier than the Delta blues of old. A, a jazzed-up form of Southern blues, which reflects more the concerns and speed of modern life. Gertrude Ma Rainey is a real-life figure from Columbus, Georgia. She's known as the mother of the blues, who started out in vaudeville. Her blues is known for articulating a kind of defiance, and not as an expression of despair. And she was loud 
and brash and kind of butch. In fact, the character of Gussie that we see in the movie is not a musician, clearly, not even a singer or even a relative like her stuttering nephew. But it's, it's hinted at that it's, that she's meant to be Ma's girlfriend. Biographies of Ma Rainey indicate that one J. Mayo Williams was the most successful race records producer of his time. And by that phrase, race records, um, that's how the music of the blues was known to white people from the 1920s to the 1940s. But in any case, Williams discovered Rainey and he signed her to Paramount Records. Not to be confused with uh, Paramount Studios in Hollywood, completely unrelated. Paramount Records was located in Chicago, and he signed Ma Rainey in 1923. Now, Ma Rainey was not the first black woman to record music. That was Mamie Smith in the year 1920. But she did uh, soon record almost 100 songs for Paramount over the following five years, so roughly between 1923 and 1928. And remember, um, this movie is set during a single day in the year 1927, so in fact it's quite close to the end of Ma Rainey's recording career. And uh, those 100 songs that she did record for Paramount, they made her a household name among Black Americans. Now, during that time, she also recorded with um, such um, future jazz luminaries as Louis Armstrong and Jelly Roll Morton, with whom she also performed in Chicago. But she also continued to tour the country and perform everywhere from large theaters to rural tents, in fact, the very first scene of the movie um, depicts Ma Rainey uh, during one of her performances in a rural tent in the American South. She's known never to have turned her back on the audience that uh, catapulted her to stardom, while all the while remaining in control of her own finances and refusing to cede management of her earnings to anyone else. Now, just five years after she began recording uh, for Paramount, Paramount terminated her contract in 1928, concluding that her trademark, and I quote here, moaning style of blues had gone out of fashion. And when Paramount went bankrupt in the 1930s because of both radio and the impact of the Great Depression, Ma Rainey's records fell out of print and remained very difficult to find until they were remastered and reissued in the late 1960s. Now, after her relationship with Paramount ended, Ma Rainey returned to making a living on the declining tent show circuit. But the living was rough. She cooked her meals on a camp stove and cobbled her costumes together from scraps of old dresses. She largely faded into obscurity until 1935 and after the death of her mother and sister, when she returned to her hometown in Georgia 
and effectively retired from show business. With what was left of her savings from the Paramount days, she bought and ran two theaters until her death of a heart attack in 1939, at just the age of 53. Yet her death certificate listed her occupation not as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, but rather as a housekeeper, curiously enough. Now, in the decades since her death, Ma Rainey has loomed large as an important figure in the history of the blues, but also as an early pioneer of sexual liberation and black female autonomy. The poet Sterling A. Brown said of her, and I quote here, Ma Rainey was a tremendous figure. She had the audience in the palm of her hand. Now, Bessie Smith was the greater blues singer, but Ma really knew these people. She was a person of the folk. End quote. In 1983, Ma Rainey was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. And in 1990, and this may come as a surprise to you, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But of course, rock and roll is really a kind of, uh, it's derived in a large part from the blues, as well as other forms of popular music in the 20th century, like gospel and um, Tin Pan Alley. What we view in the film is Ma Rainey nearing the end of her recording career. But she's still a fully rounded character in which we see her chutzpah, her pain, her joy, her generosity, and her ferocity. But we also get a glimpse of her vulnerability as well. And certainly there's a very large amount of her unapologetic intransigence that goes along with her strength of character too. With costume designer Anne Roth, the actress Viola Davis, who plays Ma Rainey, made the decision to appear as physically close to the real Ma Rainey as cinematically possible. And this included an overabundance of makeup, especially when we see her on stage early in the film, but also an abundance of gold teeth. Now, Hollywood likes to reward its actors who really appear on screen, in a larger-than-life fashion. Very much demonstrably playing someone who isn't themselves. And I think Viola Davis does a remarkable job in her performance as Ma Rainey and will almost certainly be nominated for an Oscar, a Best Actress Oscar, at this year's upcoming Academy Awards, which I think are to be held in April. Now, while Mal Rainey was a real person, all the other characters in the play and film version are fictional. And that includes another very important character in this film, whom I spoke of briefly earlier, and I'm referring here, of course, to Chadwick Boseman's tragic character of Levy, the young, hot-headed trumpeter who dreams of having his own band. Now, Levy's past is filled with a horrifying violence that he has suffered or witnessed as a child, and which has really shaped who he is, and even made him insane, as we see at the end of the film. 
Insane in his rage at the injustices that he has suffered and witnessed. The only thing he has other than this rage that he carries with him and which helps to temper it somewhat is his music. The art of his music. I mean, his pain, Levy's pain is truly frightening as we see it. And we, we, we sense that the character that Chadwick Boseman plays, that he has internalized the injustice and the racism that he has suffered and turned it in the wrong direction, not only against himself, but against other black men as well. What I think this movie wants us to understand is that racism really makes some black people crazy. I mean, and I don't mean that euphemistically, I mean literally crazy. And this really comes through with the Levy character in the movie's immensely strong conclusion. I won't spoil it for you, except to say that there is a fatal conflict that occurs uh, involving another member of the band. Uh, but that, that is something that the playwright August Wilson um, invented for his work that, uh, that didn't uh, actually happen at any of Ma Rainey's recording sessions. Nevertheless, it is meant to represent an historical truth. Now, while Ma Rainey may be the only real-life figure in this film, it is certainly true that uh, the historical exploitation of African-American music by white music industry figures is definitely based on the truth. And this really comes through in the course of the movie as well. Now, I mentioned August Wilson um, just a moment ago. The, the movie is based on a play of the same title, written by August Wilson. And Wilson himself lived between the years of 1945 and 2005. So he died relatively young at only 60 years of age. And um, he has been referred to as theater's poet of black America, quote unquote. Um, and in watching this film, you can really see why. But he is mostly known for a series of 10 plays collectively called the Pittsburgh Cycle, but also known as the Century Cycle, which chronicle the experiences and heritage of the African-American community throughout the 20th century. All but one of these 10 plays is set in the Hill District of Pittsburgh. And the one that is not set there is, of course, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which takes place in Chicago. One of August Wilson's best-known works, probably his best-known work because of the movie adaptation of it just a few years ago, is Fences. And in that movie adaptation, um, well, that movie adaptation stars Denzel Washington, who is one of the producers of this adaptation of Ma Rainey. Now, Denzel Washington is really quite the champion of August Wilson's work, and 
He is someone who has vowed to continue the legacy of Wilson by adapting the rest of his plays into films. And I think it will be very interesting to see if he manages to pull this off. You know, I like what Viola Davis, the star of the Ma Rainey adaptation, has said about Wilson in characterizing his work and what it means to black America. I'm going to quote her here. He captures our humor, our vulnerability, our tragedies, and our trauma. And he humanizes us. And he allows us to talk. Quote, unquote. Now that talk, that's very interesting. I think that comes through very well in this film adaptation. You know, in the interplay and dialogue between the actors, which convey a kind of poetic sensibility that is very musical and very rhythmic. And by that, I mean no less so than the music itself, the blues music itself. In fact, when Wilson began to write, he did so in bars, his local cigar store, the nearby cafes, so that he might more directly observe and absorb the voices and characters all around him. August Wilson was born Frederick August Cattell Jr. and was himself of biracial background. His father was an immigrant from Germany who was largely absent in his life. But his mother, his mother was an African-American from North Carolina and easily the strongest, most dominant force in his life. Wilson had five siblings whom his mother raised alone in a small apartment, along with himself, of course, in a depressed neighborhood of Pittsburgh, inhabited predominantly by black Americans, that same neighborhood where most of his work is set. Now, at the age of 20, Wilson made the decision to write under his mother's maiden name. And his writing has always featured strong female characters. He once said, My mother's a very strong, principled woman. And my female characters, they come in large part from my mother. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was written and produced in the early 1980s. And it premiered at the Eugene O'Neill Theatre Center in Waterford, Connecticut, in the year 1982. Its Broadway debut was at the Court Theatre two years later, in 1984, where it won a New York Drama Critics Circle Award and garnered a Tony Award nomination for Best Play. Now, at its heart, what this play in the movie on which it is based is really about is, I think, black people fighting for their worth in everyday circumstances. I mean, we are literally spending one day in the life of these musicians in this movie. And by that means, we get to know who they are and what they have experienced and the forces that have, give, have given them shape. An honest representation of everyday life is what this is all about. But while these black performers perform their own music, it was actually white music 
people, managers, um, producers who provided the means of recording the music and also circulating it. Uh, but in doing so, they also exploited the black musicians who created the music. And these white executives kept the profits for themselves. That's just what the historical record shows us, that in the early and middle part of the 20th century, um, black performers, musicians, um, songwriters really did not derive all of the profits that they should have in creating the music that they did. And we see this in the film uh, in the year 1927. I mean, it's a wonderful time, clearly, for the expansion of black music, but it's also the beginning of this long, painful history in the exploitation of black people by the rec white record industry. Now, we can see this most clearly in the course of the movie in the character of Levy, where, like him, many black musicians literally signed away the rights to their music for next to nothing. Um, it's really quite painful to see him do this, as we know his dreams are much larger than merely giving away his music for next to nothing. And it's very painful to see his dream come to naught. So what the film shows us is that I think black people could only be accepted by white people, not for who they were as, you know, talented artists who um, were all too happy to share in the profits of their work, but only as people who could be exploited for their ability to create great music. And Ma Rainey, for one, knows this. She knows that she's there to be exploited by white men. And this, I think, um, accounts for her very curious intransigence in so many scenes in the film. Like when she insists on keeping her nephew, Sylvester, on the payroll, um, although he um, is quite... Uh, detrimental to the actual recording session, or when she demands a bottle of Coke before the session can continue. I mean, she's really making a point that uh, while ultimately she is not going to derive the entire monetary worth that uh, her work should dictate, she certainly is making it known that uh, she's not going to be walked over completely. And according to the film's director, George C. Wolfe, the character of Ma Rainey, she's, we're meant to understand in watching this film that if you don't live, you know, if we, each of us as individuals, don't live by our own rules insofar as it's possible, then especially if you're a black person, you will lose. Now, from the 1920s through the 1940s, the emerging big business of music saw increased demand for what was called race records. I mean, and which would later be more commonly known as rhythm and blues. And, you know, albums by and for black audiences, remember, although it was a uh, white music industry that 
was recording and circulating this music. It was intended uh, almost exclusively for black audiences. It was not thought that music um, performed um, by, by black musicians would have any appeal for white audiences. That was just the thinking of the day. And although the musicians on these albums, you know, innovated profoundly in the genres of uh, jazz and gospel, as well as blues, they were, they were quite often underrecognized and underpaid and received little, sometimes no credit or fame for their work. They also had little to no legal ground to stand on as record labels inked very few royalty agreements with black artists. Bessie Smith, for example, made millions of dollars for Columbia Records, but she could not read and she received no royalties. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, both play and movie depict this racist structure within the music industry. Um, And it's all to the credit of Viola Davis in her performance as Ma Rainey that, um, that we see in her that she knows this and that she rails. We, we see we, when we see her railing against the financial exploitation and can creative or attempts to exert creative control by her, her white manager and white record producer. The raw sexuality of the blues, that's something that comes across quite clearly in this movie. And as someone who grew up on rock and roll, like myself, it, it, it's really, you can really see a direct line between um, the blues of Ma Rainey in the 1920s and the rock and roll that would come several decades later. Um, most clearly with the advent of Elvis Presley, whose manager, Colonel Tom Parker, once famously said that if he could find a white man who could sing like a black man, and he did not use the phrase black man, he used um, the N-word, he would become a wealthy man. That's what Tom Parker said. And of course he did so when he found Elvis Presley. He became immensely wealthy because uh, Elvis Presley... Um, was thought to perform like uh, a black man, to sing like a black man, and to sing the bu- the music of black men, and in fact, music often written by black men, and in doing so, helped popularize um, the blues, rhythm and blues, and what would then almost overnight become known as rock and roll. Because, of course, it couldn't be referred to as the blues, or let alone race music, because, of course, that was um, exclusively known by white audiences to refer to, um, as a term to refer to black-only music. Um, and this is why we have the coda that we have in the movie Ma Rainey, where we see a group of white musicians only recording a song, which I think we're meant to understand is... Um, something written by the character of Levy. By tinkering with Wilson's play in order to add this coda, the director, George C. Wolfe, is deliberately and effectively calling back to Ma Ma Rainey's earlier observation in the film that, and I quote her character here again, 
White people don't understand nothing about the blues. They hear it come out, but they don't know how it got there, end quote. Now, the fact that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a film which largely follows the experiences of hardworking and talented black musicians, ends in this way, is meant to be significant and unsettling. As the director juxtaposes the tragedy of Levy, the character whose soul gave the song life, with those who perform it now in this final scene and who appear somewhat distant, unfeeling, and probably unaware of the song's history. You know, it's interesting, I think, that this is a theater piece that the filmmakers have opened up and made very cinematic. Uh, this isn't always the case by any means with movie adapt adaptations of plays. But one way it is done here is with the frequently moving camera that uh, includes lots of tracking shots involving at least one 360-degree shot that I can recall. I mean, this movie and the play, of course, on which it is based is really confined to two sets and they um, give a kind of claustrophobic feel that, um, you know, conveys this very hothouse environment that, uh, that uh, leads to uh, the simmering uh, emotions which uh, erupt by the end of the film. Now, uh, another way of opening up a uh, stage-bound work like a play and making it more cinematic is by adding or subtracting scenes. And uh, now the coda of the film is an, an instance of a scene that was added to the movie and not present in the play. But another, another good example of, um, of such a scene that is added to the movie is, uh, this is only a 90 minute movie is where um, the character of Levy breaks through a door only to find that that door leads nowhere but to a bricked-in enclosure. And that is a scene that is not in the original play, but here it is deployed to represent by visual means only, not, not by language, not by someone saying this is the case, but it's obviously meant to indicate uh, or to, to be a kind of metaphor for the trap of racism in America. You know, the, the promise that if you do the right thing and work really hard, you will break through a metaphorical door in which, or through which everything becomes possible. But of course, the reality for a character like Levy, at least in the 1927 setting of this movie, is that however hard he has worked, and he has worked very hard, there is no escape, just another wall. Another difference between the play and the movie is that while the play is set in the winter, the movie itself, the setting of the movie, is in fact the summer. Now that's, that's a very interesting change. And not just the summer, but an especially hot day in the city. And that, that, that heat, <laughs> that's, that's really quite palpable in watching the film and conveyed in part by the very vivid cinematography. We often see characters sweating. Um, and the, the colors themselves are, um, are, 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 are very bright to convey uh, 
um, um, the, um, the heat of the day. And certainly to represent it, even though the characters are inside a building for the bulk of the film. And in this way, the intensity of the sun kind of, you know, is meant to match the intensity of the emotions that lie just under the surface of the characters. And, and uh, all of that really comes through with the help of the quite vivid cinematography. Now, of course, the movie is um, best known for starring both Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. And in so far as they give incredibly moving performances, um, Bozeman himself, of course, died during post-production. In August 2020, he passed away from colon cancer. Uh, And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is his last film, his final film appearance. And in fact, the film is dedicated to his memory. Now, Writing for the Los Angeles Times, film critic Justin Chang said, and I quote here, Bozeman evinces the same integrity in this movie that he clung to his entire career. I agree. Refusing to soft-pedal the destination, he imparts to this seething, shattered man the gift of a broken soul, driven by anger and trauma and makes him all the more human for it. His final moments of screen time are among his darkest and are also his finest. End quote. I tell you, watching Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman deliver the performances of their lives is a thrilling experience that you do not want to miss. That's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom available to view on Netflix. Okay, folks, that's all for now. You've been listening to Lockdown Viewing with Code St. Luke librarian Stephen Tomlinson. I hope you've enjoyed this installment and will join me next time for more recommendations for what to watch and where to watch them. Remember, if you have any comments or questions, you can best reach me at stomlinson at codesaintluke.org or by means of the library's Facebook page or even by calling the library at 514-485-6900 and leaving a message. All the best, happy viewing, and bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Code St. Luke podcast today. We launched the podcast and telephone broadcasting service in March 2020. The idea was to get content from Parks and Recreation and the library into your homes using Zoom, telephone, and podcasts. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. For more information about programs at the library, visit csllibrary.org. For information about the city of Code St. Luke, visit codesaintluke.org. Have a great day.